trice. Real name, no gimmicks. Two trailer park girls go round the outside, round the outside, round the outside. Two trailer park girls go round the outside, round the outside, round the outside. This is Over the Ledge. On 98.1 WQAQ. Hello and welcome back to Over the Ledge on 98.1 WQAQ. I'm your co-host Cameron Levasseur, joined alongside Connor Core. And we are back in the studio here in the Student Center at Quinnipiac University for the first time since December 13th. How does it feel to be back, Connor? It feels wonderful to be back in person. You know, I didn't enjoy doing the Zooms and Skypes we did over the last few weeks, but, you know, it got the job done, but I'm happy to be back in studio. Certainly did. All right, so a lot happened this week. A lot happened in the NFL over sports, really. So let's just hop right into it. Divisional round of the NFL was absolutely insane. It might have been the craziest week of playoff football that has ever happened. I agree. I completely agree. It was it was probably, like exactly what you said, like one of the greatest weekends ever. And let's just say that my predictions did not go <laughs> as planned. Yeah, let's just both, leave it at that. And we both got one, right? That's Yeah. Like yeah. So we both went one and three this week. And it was one of those things where... You know, in the regular season, I had a lot more luck predicting the games than you did, but, like, now I'm just joining your boat where we're just not picking well at all as, you know, you're trying to refix the uh, the mic stand over here. As it falls on me. <laughs> yeah, four games, four walk-off wins this week. Absolutely insane. I don't think we could have gotten the predictions right if we made them with 10 seconds left in each game. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes, all he needs is 13 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So, Talk about that, too. Chiefs-Bills. Yeah. Maybe one of the greatest games of all time. Yeah. I, I, everyone all over the internet was just saying, like, instead of having the Super Bowl, let's just have a best-of-seven series between <laughs> the Patriots and—not the Patriots, my goodness— between the Bills and the Chiefs, and uh, I think that would suffice. Listen, I think that would be good Listen to enough. this stat. In the last two minutes of the game, the two teams combined for 25 points. In two minutes. In the last two minutes, it's just regulation. Yeah, of regulation. I, didn't Patrick Mahomes throw for like almost 200 yards in the last two minutes? Something like that, like, yeah. It was crazy. He, he, threw was, for, he threw for like 440 on the league's best defense. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you can never go wrong with picking against Patrick Mahomes. And even when you do, that's probably the wrong decision. Honestly, it really is. Yeah. That's what they said about Tom Brady, but now they're saying it about him. So yeah. I guess the tides I guess have been changing. Yeah, the tide has begun to change. Stephon Diggs' return game didn't exactly go as planned. His little revenge game. Yeah. After right. last year, the yeah. picture of him standing there watching them celebrate, he had three catches, seven yards. Yeah, he really uh, showed up and showed out for sure. You know who did step up, though? Yeah, I Gabriel do. Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis. Four oh receiving touchdowns. 200, 201 yards, too. 
My gosh. You know, and they still lost. That's the entire thing. Like, you know how many he had, he had on the regular season? Didn't he have like under five? No, he had six touchdowns had the, six. Whole, the whole regular season and only like 550 yards. Okay, yeah. So he had a productive year for a number three or four yeah, but he receiver. Almost had, he almost had half of the yards and over half of the touchdowns in one game. In one game. game, exactly. It's crazy. That's what you. That's a cool thing about the NFL. Like You never know what you're going to get week in and week out. But, you know, it was still exciting to see. Ima- for sure. Imagine if fantasy football is still going on, and the guy you're playing plays Gabriel Davis, and you lose because he scores 52 points. I would, I would be very upset about that. I would be extremely upset because it's you like know a, it's one of those it's one of those sleeper picks that you make you're not really thinking about. It's like a knee through a TV screen. Type yeah, of. or like literally anything through the TV screen. It's <laughs> not it's not something you want to be a part of for sure, especially on the losing end of it. I don't know about you, but it seems like, especially in the last few years, like two minute drills, we're seeing a lot more of them. Yeah, like I know, I know, like they were a thing. Like they they were a thing that's been happening for a long time. Like mm-hmm. we saw it a lot with Brady. We saw it a lot with Big Ben. Uh, I know Rodgers is definitely a, a a pretty good guy up doing there. That yeah, too. but it's like I feel like now it's like any above average quarterback, you give them a minute and a half, two minutes, two and a half minutes, they have like. A decent chance. There's a there's a very good chance that they're oh, yeah. gonna drive down the field and tie the game or win the game. Yeah, I saw on Twitter. Even if that somebody tweeted, he does. I don't mean to overreact, but kickers need to be drafted in the first round now, <laughs> especially based off of this weekend. Like you said, it three walk offs well, and another field goal just to get them to get the Chiefs and Bills into overtime. I think that might be a bit of an overreaction. A- exactly. Yeah, I feel, that's I feel like you can it, yeah. get good kicking talent like, anywhere. anywhere. Like, yeah, yeah, kick, yeah. Scouting for kicking is very wishy-washy and like it's it you don't you never know how a guy's gonna perform coming from college into the nfl so oh yeah and, and there's, there's a lot of like very same level kicking talent there are many guys that are above the above the I don't yeah know what the word is there but above average yeah. yeah or even the goat yeah i mean so did you see uh joe burrow in his post-game press conference talking about the bang their Bengals kicker evan mcpherson yeah he said you know he was talking to brandon whoever brandon may, may have been and he said, well, uh, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship. Just, like, having that killer instinct. That has to be one of the greatest traits about every kicker because when you're put into a situation like that, and, like, the game, either you win or lose the game, and you might not be on the team if you miss. Like, yeah. the, the calmness that you have to have is ridiculous. Talk like, about, like, killer instinct, not caring at all. Robbie Gould. Oh, yeah. You oh, see? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the wild card and the divisional yeah, round. He was kicking while the cheerleaders were doing their routine. Yeah, in the, right in the middle of them. And then he was kicking at the same time this week as the Packers were announcing their starting lineup. Yeah, so yeah. He does, that man does not care. He yes. has ice in his veins. Yeah. <laughs> he actually yeah. did have ice in his veins this weekend because they were playing in one, Lambo, two yeah. temperatures. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, playing up in Lambo is not the uh, warmest place to play, play and, a football. And we'll get to Aaron Rodgers a little bit we later. Will. but. Uh, right now, a topic that I kind of wanted to bring up because it's been trending a lot on social media, mm-hmm. especially since the end of that Chiefs Bills game, is should the NFL change their playoff format? Yeah, I'll I'll let you start, but I I have my opinions that may not be with the grain per se. I mean, it's I mean, looking at it from like an unbiased perspective, it really mm-hmm. makes no sense that the rules are the way they are. Mm-hmm. Like you have that such you have such an exciting game. Both of the defenses aren't playing great. Both of the offenses are incredibly dynamic. They're moving the ball well. They're scoring a ton of points. Yeah. You know whoever that coin flip goes to in overtime, they're going to score. Yeah. 
So why why would you let the game be decided on a coin flip like that? Yeah, I think it definitely gives too much power to a coin that basically you're basically just playing the odds at that point. Like whatever offense plays first is gonna most likely win. But, but like on the go ahead, go. What are you gonna say? I was gonna hit you with a stat real quick. Yeah, hit, give me since, stat since that. they've changed the overtime rules to this. Yeah. Do you know what the record for teams are like? that win the coin toss? Yeah, yeah. I've been hearing this all day. It's ten. They're ten and one. And you know what the one game was? Don't tell me. Was it recently? It, yeah, it was three, four years ago. Now, was it the Chiefs Patriots game? No, that no. It was Saints Rams. That was the game. They, the that game. Was the game with the bad no call. The, the, no, pass yeah, pass interference in the so red zone. If, so if they would have made the correct call, which is one of the worst no calls in oh, yeah. NFL history, Argu- yeah, if they would have made the yeah. correct call, the Saints would have won that game, and it would be, the stat would be eleven and zero. That's crazy. So really, we're looking at at a hundred percent rate. Yeah, it's the yeah, yeah. Every team in there is good. They have a good offense. Mm-hmm. They're gonna score, and they're playing with their season on the line. They're gonna go down and score. Yeah, they're putting everything out there. Yeah, and I was listening to a bunch of like podcasts today, kind of getting ready for this question. And like a lot of the people who were coming on to different podcasts and radio shows were like a bunch of defensive guys. Like for one, there was former NFL All Pro and Super Bowl champion AJ Hawk, who played for the Green Bay Packers. He showed up on the Pack McAfee show, and he's like. No, he thinks the rules should be the way that they are because, you know, the defenses in the playoffs should be good enough to stop the team or at least hold them to a field goal based off the current NFL rules and at least hold them to a field goal to get the offense the ball. And, you know, I personally, I don't think they should be just thrown thrown into the trash can and start completely. Like, there are instances where it, it does work, but I do believe that, especially in the playoffs— like both the teams are in the playoffs for a reason, and I think they deserve to you know have a shot because you know if the Bills, for instance, if they won the coin toss and they went down and scored the they game winning touchdown, they would have gone down. Yeah, they would have. Yeah, but like we would have been the same, been saying the same thing about yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs. Like the, it's a two way street. The Chiefs were saying this. They tried to get the rules changed when they lost to the Patriots. Yeah, okay, that's what the game I thought ago. you were yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's. I think personally, you give too much power to. A coin, but in the same sense, like you could have just th- there are many instances throughout the game to where you could have like taken the lead and stuff like that, like coaching and stuff yeah. like that. But you know, at, at the end of the day, like something needs to change. But I don't think it's as drastic as people make it out to be. I, I like footballs. You have offense and defense. I don't get why both sides of a team shouldn't be able to play in overtime. Yeah. Like, I think both sides should get the chance to be out there. Oh, yeah, it should definitely definitely be a team A effort. team is not defined by their, just their defense or just their offense, and that's how the current overtime rules work. Yeah, pretty, yeah, flip. yeah. Yeah, so, so like, I, like we keep saying, uh, some, some things need to change, but it's not necessarily drastic. Um, so uh, now we're actually going to go to a short segment from an interview that we recorded this week from a Quinnipiac alum, Jonathan Banks, who's now a production assistant at ESPN with the show Sports Center. And this is around a 35, 40 minute interview. We're going to play you maybe seven to 10 minutes of it yeah. on here. And then if you want to listen to the rest of it, you can go to you can go to us on Spotify or Apple or Google Podcasts over the ledge. And you can listen to the rest of it there because it will be put into the episode later. But we're going to play that now and then we'll come back to you guys after. Welcome, everyone, to episode 18 of Over the Ledge. We are joined by our guest, Jonathan Banks. Uh, he's currently working 
working at ESPN as a production assistant. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we'll just jump right into questions. So obviously, uh, we both know, but maybe not the listeners, that you graduated from Quinnipiac uh, just pa- this past May in 2021. Uh, what was so appealing about Quinnipiac that made you want to come to the school? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a good question. Um, it, it's funny because you know when I think about you know my college application process and I think about it, Quinnipiac was very low on the list of schools that I wanted to attend without a lot of information. You know, I, I always knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to go into sports journalism, but I was thinking, let me go to a big time school, maybe a state school, you know, one of those big names that we all know of. And then we get a brochure from Quinnipiac um, in the mail. And my mom's like, Oh, this campus is beautiful. And look at this sports journalism program. You have to apply. And I was like, no mom, you know, I'm not going to a random place in Connecticut that I haven't heard of. You know, I'm a junior in high school. I got to be doing cool stuff like going to Syracuse or going to Maryland or something like that. And then, you know, we, we my mom literally drags me here almost against my will to visit. And like right when you walk through North Lot and you just look around, you're like, whoa, like this looks like the kind of place that I want to be. And it kind of hit me right away. And then, you know, I walked around. I got offered when I got accepted. I I was so against going here that I applied without even visiting I was just like I'm just applying because my mom's making me apply and then we got accepted my mom's like all right you're going and then you know when I got here I had a meeting with uh Dr. Bloom who's a three plus one coordinator had three plus one students walking me around at that time the three plus one I think was a tougher sell because I was the second ever class of it so it's not like there is proven success like for example you guys can look at it and be like oh you know this person did three plus one and now they work here they had an internship here for me there was no track record so I was really trying to understand what it was and why other schools weren't offering it, you know, it's just something that's not going to work because it seems like a pretty good idea on paper. And it's like, why doesn't every school do this? But, um, you know, I went through those motions right when I visited the, the first time I left, I knew that I was coming here. Um, but I still did my due diligence, obviously, but you just got to get that feeling. And I got that feeling when I came onto campus for the first time um, and everything just lined up in the right way for me. And obviously don't regret it. It was the best four years of my life, but yeah, it was definitely something that I didn't envision at all. Um, when I was when I was in high school. Quinnipiac is kind of known as like that ESPN pipeline, like especially in the state of Connecticut. Is that like something that you knew, like coming into being on here that you wanted to go to ESPN? And that was like kind of one of the selling points why you finally did come here or? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. ESPN, it's actually it's funny. It's a bigger pipeline. So when I was doing a highlight, maybe when I first started ESPN. So when you, you work, you send your highlight to an editor and I was just making small talk with the editor. And he was like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, New Jersey. You know, I went to Quinnipiac. I just started here. He's like, oh, my God. He's like, I was a sports pause producer in 2005. And now he's editing ESPN. So there's weird stuff like that. Like, you don't even realize how deep the pipeline is sometimes. Um, But to answer your question, yeah, I mean, ESPN was, you know, the goal for me. I think it's the goal for every kid who wants to get into sports. Um, You know, at 7 a.m. watching Mike and Mike in Sports Center before going to elementary school, going to middle school. I pop an ESPN radio on the bus, you know, going to my middle school and all that. So I think it's the dream for everyone. Um, and I think too, it's like, there's so many great avenues in this industry that everyone kind of shoots for, Oh, I want to work at ESPN. And then maybe some other cool stuff would open up. So I was always aware of that. Um, but in terms of location, yeah, I mean, I would be lying if I didn't say, Oh yeah, ESPN's 40 minutes away. That didn't factor in a little bit, but I also knew, Hey, I'm in between New York and Boston, you know, NBC's here too, you know, there's other avenues in the area. So I was like, it wasn't like ESPN was the only reason, but having that in my back pocket, knowing that and being sold in the fact that there are 
professors that work at ESPN that are also, you know, going to be teaching me and I could connect with, that was also a selling point too, which I didn't take lightly. Yeah. So when you eventually did get to Quinnipiac as a freshman, I'm sure as most of us, you jumped right in with uh, student media, whether it was Q30, QBSN, WQAQ, what was kind of your motivation to get involved so quick being in three plus one and student media as well? Yeah. You know, my, my personality, you know, I'm just going to throw myself into the fire. Like, you know, I'm motivated. I'm a go-getter. You know, I know that about myself. And, you know, when I came to Quinnipiac, the main reason, which I didn't really mention was that, you know, the student media was because I was looking at it and I just wanted to get that real world experience right away as cliche as it sounds. But, you know, if I'm look these other schools I'm looking at, yeah, they're bigger names, but, you know, I'm not touching stuff till I'm a junior in high school. And, you know, I'm talking to people, nowadays that you know they go to Syracuse they go to Penn State whatever the school may be and they're like yeah you know I'm really excited you know maybe next year when I'm a junior I can you know shadow the sideline reporter for the football team or whatever and I was like it's like I was at Quinnipiac for six days and I was broadcasting a field hockey game and I never knew anything about field hockey you know that's just the difference for me between these schools and the other schools um but I think I think the, yeah, the motivation was just I wanted to throw myself in the fire um, one thing that I remember specifically was there being so many clubs and I didn't really understand at first the difference between Q30 and QBSN because I wanted to do sports. Um, and I knew there are a lot of different, you know, sports organizations, which is a whole different discussion in itself. You know, I think we just combine all of them and everyone just turn out massive content in a bunch of different mediums. That's a discussion for another day. And that way there'd be no silly student media rivalries and all this drama that happens and that you guys mm -hmm. know of. that would solve everything, but that's never going to happen. But regardless, yeah, I just knew that I wanted to hop in right away, see what I liked, see what I didn't. So by the time I got to second semester, I'd kind of weed out, okay, like, for example, I went to a few Chronicle meetings. You know, I have a lot of friends in the Chronicle, just wasn't for me because I was like, oh, if I'm a beat reporter for Q30, I'm not just writing, I'm doing a lot of other stuff too. But I just figured it was important for me to jump right in, see what I liked. And also, for me, going to a school like this, um, I'm a triplet, so I have two brothers, same exact age as me, so this is my first time away from you know, my family and getting a whole new experience. I was like, I just want to try and make friends right away. So like what better opportunity to make friends than just force yourself to get to know and hang out with other people while watching sports. It's a, it's a common conversation breaker for a lot of people. Do you think like the experience that you gained through doing all those clubs and jumping in right away and that sort of thing, like really helped you move into the working world, like a lot easier? Yeah. It, it meant, it means everything, you know, because the saying that they have, that a lot of people say at ESPN, which is kind of cliche and just like get comfortable being uncomfortable just because of the deadlines you're working under, the, the job you're doing. And it's kind of, a, I don't know, at first I didn't really like that saying, but now I totally understand it because, you know, when you're just doing things, you know, when you're getting reps and when you're just working with other people, you're learning and you're training yourself in ways that you're not even envisioning or imagining. Um, so I think that's, that's an important thing too. But yeah, with, without, you know, jumping in right away, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today because, you know, if I started and it's and people work on their different paces or work at their different paces, so, you know, some people, they see student media for a year, then their sophomore year in college, they, they jump in, you know, one of the best people I worked with in student media and a good friend of mine didn't start until the middle of his sophomore year. And that's totally okay. You know, he was sitting in Dana with us in the three plus one program, saw all of his friends going to cover games and it took him a little while to get into it and everyone works at their own pace. But for me, you know, that just would have been a year of reps lost. So for me to get started earlier, to learn earlier from my peers and, and older people, and then to just, you know, get that real world experience and get work examples out there, it definitely made the transition quicker. So I was not a year behind, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm.
Yeah. So you, we keep talking about student media, but if you had to point out one experience that point that stood out from the rest, what do you think that would be? One experience. Wow. Um, yeah. I just think a lot. One of them, I think, um, probably, you know, my freshman year, winter freshman year, I got to travel, um, to Lina, um, to watch Cornell take on Quinnipiac in the ECAC hockey quarterfinals and Quinnipiac lost nine, one in the first game. And the head coach of the men's hockey team declined to talk to us after the game. And so, you know, we sent out like a tweet, you know, head coach Rand Pecknell declined to speak with the media following the team's 9-1 loss at Cornell. And the retweets were in the, the couple hundreds, which is a lot for Quinnipiac student media. You know, everyone was just kind of picking up the story. You had real reporters running on, running on it, giving their opinions. And that kind of made me realize for myself, you know, the impact that student reporters have you know, on the grand scheme of things in college sports and in athletics and just the influence that you can have that the next day, you know, Rand Pecknell, you know, comes up to us who's there and like has like, he's like, can you guys shut the cameras off? And we're like, what's going on here? And he just sits down next to us in the bleachers for 30 minutes, giving us, talking to us, giving us a conversation after his team got eliminated, just what he liked about what he did, what he didn't and all that. And he had his opinions and they were totally valid um so yeah I would say that is the one thing that just comes up to me and I'm like whoa you know that that's probably there are many memories that's the that's the actual like journalism memory I think I have kind of moving from Quinnipiac like into your job at ESPN now how did you end up getting that position in the first place yeah so that's yeah that's a that's a to to networking thing um but definitely you know I put in the work at Quinnipiac and I got you know the right opportunities at the right time Basically, you know, ESPN, one thing that you need is you need to have, you know, work experience to get through the door. Um, so Barry Sachs, for example, who's a professor at Quinnipiac, he does a lot of grad, some undergrad classes. I had him three times and he was the best professor I had there. But he gave, he gave me a contact when I was looking for an internship um, after my sophomore year. So my sophomore year, I'm just thinking about it. And I just wanted an internship. I thought I was going to do the QU and LA program. Um, there uh, ended up being a lack of sports options or options that interested me. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. It's a lot of money, but I'm willing to go anywhere for an internship. So um, Barry put me in contact with someone at NBC Sports Washington. Um, I took that internship, did that internship, which was a really rewarding experience. And then when I came back, you know, I had someone from NBC Sports Washington who was a former ESPNer and Barry both recommended me for this position at ESPN and were like, hey, you'd be a great fit. You should apply for this. So I applied for it, um, thinking it was an internship or it was a recurring role, meaning a few times a week. And then I get hired and they're like, all right, this is 40 hours a week. And I was like, whoa, that's not what I signed up for. But at the same time, too good of an opportunity to pass up. So I was just rolling with it, um, going to class at night. I mean, going to work at night, doing class and whatnot in the morning. So that was really what it came down to. Um, but that, yeah, that's how I got my foot in the door. I mean, I know I'm, I know I'm good at what I do. I have that confidence about myself, but it's all about, you know, finding the right people and the right opportunity at the right time. Yeah. So you've obviously been working at ESPN for almost two years now, just over two years. Have you ever had those type of surreal experiences when you'd be walking down the hallway at ESPN and all of a sudden you see, and you cross paths with like Stephen A. Smith, Scott Van Pelt, and all the other big TV personalities that we might see on television? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that is definitely run its course now. Um, just being at work all the time. And, you know, these guys are, you look at it a lot differently than when you're first in the door. 
Um, I remember one. Um, so I'm a Philadelphia sports fan. And my dad's from Philadelphia. Um, so huge Philly guy in that regard. And I remember my second day on the job, I walked past Brian Howard in the hallway and I'm just looking, I'm like, that the guy that I have on my poster, bad poster of him back at home. So that was weird. Um, but yeah, there's still, there's still some people that you're like, Whoa, it's that guy. Um, but now it's kind of the point where it's like, Hey, you know, we're at work, you know, all this, like, for example, like you brought up Scott Van Pelt, who's one of the best at what he does. You know, I work on his show almost every single day. You know, I talk to him, you know, on a normal occurrence. Now it's a, the first time I met him in person was like, Whoa, you know, that's Scott Van Pelt and seeing how he works and seeing how he goes about his business was really cool. Now for me, it's like, Oh, like that's Scott. And I see him on TV and it doesn't really click the same way for me, just because that's someone that, you know, I take direction from, I give suggestions, I pitch ideas to. So it's a, it's a different animal now. But when I first started, definitely there's a learning curve, you know, to getting used to all of those situations. Uh, like you kind of just alluded to, you, you work on Sports Center mostly. Can you kind of give us like a rundown of like what your job actually is and like the roles and responsibilities that you have with that? Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm a production assistant right now with Sports Center. Um, basically, what that is, is every day you get assigned, you get assigned an event an event meaning game and your job is to be the eyes and ears for that game you're writing a shot sheet you're making a cut sheet for the control room you're clipping off the video and telling the story the way that you need to that you you think it needs to be told and you're you're talking to a highlight producer each night and you're talking to the producer of sports center each night how much time do you need you know where in the rundown does it fit all of those things so the main thing is you're multitasking you're doing a lot of stuff at once um so that's really that's really the bare bones of it um, obviously there's a lot more little stuff that goes into it. Like you're thinking about how can I, you know, elevate this highlight, you know, what graphic should I put where, what fact should I write in my shot sheet? You know, how short should I write this? How much pad should I give, you know, the talent to be able to add their own flair to it. So there are a lot of different little aspects to go into it, but you get assigned an event and you go there and you basically, how you perceive the event is how whoever else is watching sports center is going to get that taste of it after. So that's a really cool feeling that sometimes I think gets lost on a lot of us because you know I work in tv but I don't really watch sports center you know outside of my job anymore where it's like you know I just put it on tv and I see it running you know on the tv at work and I think nothing of it not realizing like wow you know like x amount of a lot of people you know just saw that happening and it's like that part is definitely waned off after the first few weeks of working on the job which you know, it sucks. I thought this feeling would last forever and it doesn't. It just, it, it becomes a really cool job, but it becomes your job at the end of the day. So it doesn't have the same feeling, but yeah, I would, yeah, I would say that's like the main responsibilities of what I'm doing. Um, so just kind of like putting two and two together between Quinnipiac and ESPN, you kind of mentioned it with uh, Professor Barry Sachs uh, working at Quinnipiac as well as ESPN. How has the School of Communications and Student Media kind of prepared you for the professional space? I mean, it's prepared me in more ways than what would fit in the amount of time in this podcast. It's, it's, it's been massive. Um, and, and I'm sure you've heard this from other people. Like, I, I appreciated my classes, um, professors more so at Quinnipiac. But, I mean, outside of the School of Communications, I don't know if I remember I've retained one thing. Um, I took Math 110 my freshman year. I probably still don't even know to add fractions. Um, but it's it, little things like that, but yeah, I mean, with everything, with the experience, you know, when I was, when I was a producer, when I was an executive producer for Bobcat breakdown, my sophomore year, that was the best thing I did at Quinnipiac, by the way. But when I was doing that, you know, I was just learning how to use ENPS. I was learning how to create a rundown, how to add my creativity, how to take control of, 
you know, situations with drama, with people not liking each other, with managing talent, um, which are just other students, but that's a huge part of my job now too. So thinking about all those situations. And then like, for example, you know, I go to ESPN and the, during the job interview, they're like, do you know what ENPS is? And I was like, yeah, I was like, I make, I make rundowns weekly. And they're like, you make rundowns weekly on ENPS. They're like, we've never heard that from an applicant before when that's like a Quinnipiac thing that you wouldn't even think anything of because we make rundowns every week for Q30. We do them in classes. We make rundowns. We write copy. We write script. Um, so there are little things that we have gotten that we don't even realize that we've gotten that we're ahead of the game. Um, so I think that's important to say too. But yeah, just covering games, asking proper coaches and press conferences. So when you're listening to press conferences now, like I know what kind of bites to look for, what kind of sound to look for. But in general, it's just been a phenomenal, phenomenal experience with student media. So it's just prepared me in so many ways, working with other people too. When you jumped from student media, like into the professional world, was there like a big learning curve or was it kind of like a natural transition? For me, I think it was a pretty natural transition. Um, I, think it, I think it really is a case by case basis. It depends on the person. I think there's a real, the real thing that shifts is the work itself is not that different. The, and not to diminish, you know, our student media or Q30 or QBSN in, in any other way, but it's like, you just went from, you know, your, your mom and dad watching your stuff to like knowing that the entire like landscape of sports fans are going to be consuming what you're doing. So that mental block of like feeling, you know, at first, like some, the pressure can be overwhelming and you feel that pressure as you're doing your work. You're like, wow, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? What, what are people going to think about this? But then you eventually graduate to a point where it's like, this is what I think. And if someone doesn't agree, then they'll talk to me later and I'll defend my point and why I put this shot there or why I wrote this or why I cut the highlight this way. Um, so that, that's definitely been the biggest change. Like last night, for example, um, and we're recording this, I guess, Sunday, I guess we're exposing the, the time and whatnot. Um, but regardless, I did the highlight for the Packers 49ers game for SportsCenter last night. And the game was over, my highlight was done, and I had three different producers come over and all four of us want different stuff in the highlight. And we're trying to hit a certain amount of time. We're trying to get this highlight in in four minutes and 30 seconds. We add in everything that everyone wants. And it's like six minutes. And a minute 30 in TV is like walking from here to Mount Everest. Like that's an insane amount of time. So we're sitting there, the four of us, are just talking about, you know, what we're doing, where we're doing it and how we're doing it. And, you know, not to say that, like, I've never had those discussions before because I have. I have them all the time at work. But sitting there in the control room at Bobcat Breakdown, you know, I'm going over what I want to cut, why we should cut it. You know, I'm talking over rundown ideas. And it's kind of just working in tight situations with people that you know and that you're comfortable with just gives you a better benchmark for when you're in the real world and you have to make cases for things. You have to be professional about it. So I think Q30s helped me in ways like that that I don't even think about. Yeah, so if you had to give like a young kid who may be in like, high school right now and who wants to work in sports media what would be your pitch to him or her if they want to go like full speed and just throw yourself into fire like you have I mean you just got to be yourself um it's, it's tough it's tough to really finger you know what what you would say to someone else and I, I I've gotten that question before but yeah you just got to be yourself and, and do what's right and do it and do what you feel is comfortable because for me, it was easy to throw myself in the fire. That's just the mentality that I had. It's what I wanted to do. So I was going to sit there and I was going to go, go through the motions. And guess what? For me, if I didn't like it, fine, I'll try something else. For some people, 
if they go to, you know, a Q30 event too early and they don't like it, it, it damages their reputation of what they should do student media for the next year and a half, two years, you know, being at a leader in student media in my last few years, I would meet with these freshmen and they would say, oh, I'm so excited to get involved. And they would come to a meeting or to ask them to write something and get a little overwhelmed. And I just wouldn't hear from them. And I'd always think, man, what happened to that kid? And I would reach out and they're like, oh, you know, I'm not, not ready for this uh, or whatever the case may be. Um, so I would say definitely do it at your own pace, but also be willing to be pushed because there are some situations where, you know, you're trying to play it too passive and people are like, hey, you know, go on air. Hey, do this, do that. Um, yeah, just following up what you want to do because you can push for one thing. Like for a lot of us, you know, it's pushing to work for ESPN, for example. You know, as you push for that and you're like, I want to be, I want to be a production assistant in the ESPN, whatever the case may be, as you're working on that other stuff is going to open up that you never heard of. Like maybe there's this sick broadcasting job for a minor league baseball team that you, that you made it connect with as you're trying to push towards working for ESPN, or maybe there's a social media advertising job in sports that you didn't even realize you'd love that you'd love to do because you want to work normal hours and still work in sports. There's so many different avenues that can open up. So, you know, have what you have your goal in mind. And, you know, my goal was always to work for ESPN and specifically I wanted to produce sports center. And then as you're pushing for that, you know, keep that as number one, but a bunch of other stuff's going to open up for you. And you just have to be open-minded with all that because something even better could be ready for you that you've never even heard of. So right now you're, you're working the overnight shift for sports center, correct? Technically there's a work shift. Um, technically there's a 7 PM shift that starts um, that I think ends it. I think like seven to six or something like that. Some people work, like if you work on get up or first take, you're working 4 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, so I'm working five to two right now, which it's about to, I think it's about to switch. I've talked that I'm probably going to be moving to another show in the next few months and starting something different, which will be awesome. But yes, so I'm worked five to two, which on the grand scheme of things is not the worst shift that you can get. So my question for that was like, kind of in like the later hours of the night there, is it ever really quiet there in the studio no. or is it always busy? No, it, it just so many times where it's like, I literally like this happened to me the other night. They're just, it was so loud and there's so many people. And I look at my computer and it's like one 15 in the morning. And I'm just thinking to myself, what am I doing here? You know, it's one 15, but you know, during my shift, but yeah, that's, that's the one thing that's kind of tricky is like acclimating to the rest of life. Like for example, it's midnight and I'm wide awake doing my work. So it's a weird schedule to get your body used to. And then, you know, waking up in the morning and being like, wow, I, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, damn, I don't feel great about that. But it's like, wait, you slept seven hours. So it makes logical sense. But that's definitely an adjustment too. you know, working in sports, you know, they say nights, holidays and weekends. It's not a lie. You know, you hear it in your class, in class and you think, oh, you know, that's not going to be me. I can handle that. Well, it, it's going to happen. Like if you want to be successful in this industry, like you are going to have to work odd hours or weird hours before you, I guess, acclimate to normal hours or earn your way to normal hours because you, know, you want to work on sports center. Like, that's great. You know, I never really connected the dots for me until I started working here that, you know, yeah, the games happen at seven o'clock and eight o'clock at night, sometimes 10 o'clock at night on the West coast. So like if you're working on sports center, like you have to manage those games. So it makes total sense now that I'm here and I see it, but I don't think that really clicks for some people. Like I know people that have graduated, you know, from our school and they're like, eh, you know, these night hours aren't really wor worth it for me. And now they're, you know, sports journalism, master's degree students who are like, I'm looking for PR jobs and advertising jobs, which is totally fine. I don't think that's going to stop them from getting those jobs, but it's like, 
what people are saying to you, like, that's actually what it is. So like, know if you can handle it, if you can't handle it, you know, that's totally fine. Like, there's no problem at all, but tailor your education and career towards something else then, you know. I guess another question I had was, are there any like behind the scenes secrets or anything like that that you can share with us? <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's a few. Um, I don't know, it's all like, I mean, I think I, I was at, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what your listener base is really. Um, but you know, QB, like I was at a QBSNB and I was telling them how, you know, the top 10 is decided by, you know, one PA that's essentially our age. Um, where it's like, you know, the top 10 plays of the night. Um, you know, I, when I was younger, I envisioned this entire team that was sitting there doing the plays and like just like a team of eight to 10 people, like scouring everywhere to find plays. But in reality, it's one 23-year-old scrolling through Twitter and game feeds trying to find the best stuff um, and making 10 plays. So I think that's one thing that's kind of funny to people when I say that, that like I, like I, I do top plays every few weeks. So like I get that experience too. And it's really cool to be part of like such a trademark and, and rank plays in that order and whatnot and find stuff. Um, you know, like I found like world surfing league and like ping pong championship stuff. You know, I try to find those random stuff when I have top 10 plays some cricket in there too, a nice little cricket play the other day, but regardless, you know, that's probably a cool one where people are like, Oh, I thought it was like a bunch of like people sitting around in a circle, you know, with their computers, you know, talking about making this big order and have like a hundred plays a night and they narrow it down. No, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a dude like us sitting there trying to figure out what the order of the plays are going to be. Yeah, so you graduated uh, this past May with uh, former QBSN chairman Will Fowler, and now he's also working at ESPN. Have you ever, like, leaned on him, or has he leaned on you if you, like, have a question about work or even living independently now that you guys are all graduated in your, into your professional careers? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned um, living, in, uh, living independently because I think that's been the bigger adjustment for me than the actual job itself. Um, just I'm out of college, I'm living in an apartment, I'm paying rent, I'm making my own food, I'm doing my own laundry and all that stuff that we do do in college, but it's just a different you know, stratosphere when you're living, um, when you're living in an apartment and, and going to a full-time job. Um, yeah, Will, Will was one of my best friends at Quinnipiac and he's done a phenomenal job, but that's the thing too. It's like, you don't realize how talented the people that you're working with are and like how you're, I'm not going to say you need them down the road, but it, it it's going to happen um, one way or another. Like, for example, um, I referred Will to the ESPN people and was like, this is a guy you should hire. And then he gets hired through the door. So it's like, it's the power of the people that you're networking with, but yeah, Will and I hang out. Um, we both live in West Hartford. We live about five minutes from each other. We hang out probably about once every week or so. Um, we tried to go to the gym together, but that kind of fizzled out. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll do some other stuff. You know, we'll go grab dinner on our off days when we're both off the same days, you know, we'll, we'll see each other in the afternoon for a little bit, but it is nice. You know, it is no work. I'm at the point now where I've technically been in sports center for almost two years. You know, I'm high up in terms of, you know, PAs and what their ranks are and what their assignments are. But that also means, because there's a lot of turnover in sports center where people use that as a launching point that I know almost everyone in that room anyway. So I still know a lot of people at work, but it's still nice, you know, to walk over to like a desk and see Will sitting there who I've spent countless nights with, you know, doing student media stuff. I'm um, just being good friends with. So that's always a good change of pace, but yeah, definitely leaning on each other. Um, for sure. That that's been a thing. And, you know, just, you know, the Quinnipiac connection, like we talked about earlier, you know, 
it's bigger than we realize. I think in sports center, I think Quinnipiac might be the most represented school. Um, and it's the location obviously is an advantage and it lends itself. Like if Quinnipiac was in Nevada, we're not getting that many people in here, but it's still, it's still the power of, you know, what the school can provide. And it's just the fact that someone from Quinnipiac comes in and they're really good. So like, all right, let's grab someone else. So it's almost like, don't be the person that messes up the Quinnipiac pipeline for the hiring people in a way. So Will definitely has not done that. I don't think I've done that. So just hope one of you guys in your class down the road doesn't be the one that closes the door. Yeah, I'll make sure that we'll make sure that doesn't happen. I will yeah. anyway, so I don't know about it. <laughs> I don't know if you have any more questions, Connor, but my final question here was kind of, I know you said that like growing up and like, especially into college that like working for Sports Center was like a dream for you. Is there now like a job that you're looking at? Like, that's what I want to do down the line. It's a good question. Um, I mean, yeah, ever since I was five years old, I wanted to produce Sports Center. That was what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do it. And now that I've been here. I know exactly the inner workings of that show. And I think to myself, I don't know if I really want to produce that show, which has caused, you know, a minor change of, you know, opinion because that was what I was so driven to do that I was kind of talking about earlier. I want to be a producer for sports center. And now it's like, you know, I'd rather produce highlights. I'd rather supervise highlights than supervise the entire show. So that's one thing that I'm thinking about. Another thing is like, I still want to produce, you know, it doesn't have to be sports center there are a million other shows that I can pursue. If I want to do studio shows, if I want to do live events, you know, if I want to produce like, for example, I don't know, Sunday night baseball or NHL on Tuesdays or whatever the case may be, I can push for that too. So I still want to produce. I still like having creative control. I want to be a leader and I want others to look up to me in that regard. So that's kind of motivating me to still want to be a leader of some sort, but what exactly I want to do now, I don't really know. So I'm kind of just, you know, flying by the seat of my pants, almost going to work, enjoying it, and then seeing, you know, where else it takes me in this company. Because there's a lot of upward mobility. There's a lot of room to maneuver. You know, if you want to do something, if I want to switch to a different sport, like I can go try and get that. So that's just how I'm going to keep that mindset. But yeah, I'm not sure exactly what I want to do anymore in terms of where my end goal is in a few years. Yeah, I didn't have any more questions. Uh, we appreciate your time for coming on to chat with us for a little bit. Um, you know, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, this was fun. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, keeping the Quinnipiac student media good name up there. Yeah, it means a lot. You know, all the guys, all the guys from my age and before looking at the content every single day, our group chats are filled with what everyone's stand-ups are looking like, what these written pieces are. Like, we all care. Um, if, no, if you think no one's reading your stuff or watching your stuff, you've got about 25 to 30 former Quinnipiac grads that are consuming it every single day. So keep up the good work. Thank you. We appreciate that. Thank you so much for yeah, coming definitely. on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, boys. All right. Now we're going to come back from that. We thank Jonathan very much for coming on. It was great chatting with him. Great uh, having, hearing him share some stories from his time here and at ESPN. And again, if you want to hear the full interview, it'll be uploaded with the full podcast on Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So check that out if you would like to hear that full thing. But we're going to get back into some more football talk here. Yeah, before before we get, I just wanted to thank Jonathan as well for coming on. You know, we never went to school with him because obviously he graduated in May. And at that time, we were just like committing to Quinnipiac. And, you know, it kind of just shows the connection that all Quinnipiac communi School of Communication alumni, alumni have where, you know, we never went to school with this guy, but he's still willing to come on to, and talk to us about his experiences and what he's doing now and just like... Uh, it was, it was really cool to, yeah. for him to come on for yeah, us. Yeah, and even if, like, listening listening to the rest of it, you're going to hear at one point he talks about how, 
like how much the alumni are still paying attention to what student media oh, yeah. is doing here and it's it's really cool to hear them say that like they're still paying attention yeah to we, we're we were kind of talking about that after we finished recording the episode yeah. and we were like that's actually really cool to think about the fact that you know these guys who graduated however many years ago even as recent as last year and they're still like putting stuff in their group chat like oh look what these guys just did for women's ice hockey or men's basketball or stuff like that it's really yeah it's really cool to put things into perspective about yeah. the whole thing it makes so. it it makes it like it's how good it really puts yeah. it like i said it, like i said it really puts things into perspective i'm like how close tight-knit alumni and students are right now that is what i was yeah there to say. you go there you go <laughs> and i think honestly i think just to give our dean a little shout out i think dean roush has done an amazing job in the short time that he's been here as well like just you know trying to connect and give give us internships opportunities it's really cool to think about yeah all right right. now we're gonna get back into a little bit of football with our picks for the conference championship games this weekend man we're only three weeks away from the super bowl my gosh that's crazy to think about it really is it really is i was actually looking at something for the first time this year the nfl honors is actually going to be on a thursday this year instead of like Saturday night like it normally is. It's kind of weird, but I know we didn't like plan to talk about this, but who is your pick for MVP this year? Like of the NFL, not yeah, like, like offense or defense. I know yeah, I know yeah, oh, like boy. Just overall, like who do you think was the best player oh, in the gosh. NFL this year? This is that's tough to say because like you can make the case for any of the top guys like Cooper Cup, like I don't know who's the like Patrick Mahomes, like all the quarterback <laughs> like normally it's a quarterback driven um, award, yep. but it feels like this year, especially like you have Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup, like yep. they played lights out, and like they're making a legit case for it. And like Cooper Cup almost broke Calvin Johnson's receiving record. Yeah, but um, yeah, if I had to make a pick right now, I don't know. It would probably be Cooper Cup, honestly, because yeah, Tom Brady threw for more touchdowns than his age, but you know. You can't always give it. You can honestly give it to Tom Brady every single year. So like you have to mix it up a little bit. He's played that well for that long. But I think it's. I think Cooper Cup played I'm extremely a, well. I'm this a year. big fan of skill guys getting the MVP. Yeah, we don't see it enough. Yeah, who yeah. was the last guy? Was it LT? I think it was Adrian Peterson, wasn't it? Oh uh, yeah, it must have been. It must I think have been. like in 2013. Like 20. We've we've had this before where we couldn't figure out what year it was. I think it was like 2011. Yeah, I'll, here I'll figure it out. Real quick. Uh, it doesn't really matter. We know we wanted at some point. Yeah. Uh, so the first game, both games are on Sunday this week. I would have kind of liked to see them one Saturday, one Sunday night. But They did that in the past. Yeah, but the way they scheduled it this week is uh, the Sunday 3 p.m. game in Kansas City. Cincinnati's coming to town. Joe Burrow's coming to town. What do you What do you think about this game? You know, it's I kind of it's kind of making becoming a bigger game than it was in the past. Like kind of like how Bills and Chiefs were, where you know you want to pick. It seems like there's an obvious choice. Like last week, it was the Bills, we thought. And then, you know, the Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs and win. But I think the Chiefs are the more complete team. Now, no disrespect to the Bengals at all, but I think the Chiefs are the more complete team. And they just have this thing about them that they're never out of the game until the clock is triple, triple zeros in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like, just something about them. So that's why I'm going to pick the Chiefs in this game to win. Like I said, no disrespect to the Bengals, but I think the Chiefs have the, got yeah, the win I mean, this week. This is another game that's going to be a shootout. Yeah. Every game the Chiefs have played in the last four or five weeks 
since they played the Bengals the last time, actually, yeah. have, all, have all been shootouts, have all ended very high scoring. And the Chiefs' defense looked pretty... I think we can say they looked pretty terrible this weekend. Yeah, I think that's neither, neither defense in that game played well at all. I think that's all. safe yeah. to say. And, but on, on, like, on, offensively, they, they scored 20, 42 points against the best defense in the NFL. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes had 450 yards. He had four touchdowns. And now he's facing a defense that's, like, no, I wouldn't say bottom tier, but they're worse. They're a worse pass defense than the Bills. Yeah, like, and the Bills, significantly. yeah. And the Bills are, like, fairly good as well. Yeah. Yeah. And But on the other side, Joe Burrow has been torching every team that he's come up against. Yeah. And he said in his postgame interview, like, he wants the narrative to stop with the Bengals being a bad team. Like, they're going to be there for a while. And I agree. I agree that the Bengals are going to be there for a while because they have all those offensive weapons. Now, when all their rookie contracts are over, they're going to be ex- wanting an extreme amount of money. So they're going to lose pieces. But for the most part, the Bengals are going to be there at the top of the AFC North and maybe even the AFC, the entire AFC conference, for a few years. Now, I mean, it pains me to say that, but yeah. it's the reality of it's the truth of the, the matter. Bang, the, the AFC North is going to run through the Bengals, I think, for the next couple of years at least. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like, it pains me to say, but there's something about— It's going to be the Bengals or the Ravens might get in the mix. I don't think, I don't think the Browns are going to get it together enough, and I definitely don't think the Steelers are going to get it together Are you just enough. saying that in spite no, of me? No, I'm not saying that in spite of you. I'm saying they don't, they don't have a bona fide quarterback now. Yeah, and look, but the defense <laughs> is still decent to keep them in games, but yeah, they're going to have to figure something out. Yeah. I mean, like going back to Joe Burrow a little bit, the last time they played Kansas City Week 18, mm-hmm. he had 450 and four touchdowns. He had basically the same— Stat line that Pat Mahomes had this week. Week eighteen or week seventeen? Uh, it was week eighteen. It was week eighteen. The last game of this yep. regular season. Yep. That's always usually divisional games. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess is that, on, is, it just, is that on ESPN? That's weird. Usually they're all divisional games. Huh? That's weird. I don't know. Yeah, but. I'm I'm also gonna take the I'm also gonna take the Chiefs. Yeah, on. I think I think this is easily it could go either way, but I think experience wins out in the end here. Oh I think yeah, Patrick for sure. Holmes go, and the Chiefs go to their third straight Super Bowl. Yeah, he's never missed an AFC Championship game since he's been a starting quarterback. It's mm-hmm. impressive. Crazy. Exactly. Yeah. All right, over to the NFC, 49ers and Rams in a divisional matchup for the conference championship. You don't get to say that every year. Cameron, I'll start with you. Who do you got? Uh, I'm taking the Rams in this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can definitely make a serious case for the Niners. They beat them. They beat them both times they played the season. They beat them the last six times that these two teams have played. The Niners yeah. have won, but I don't. I don't think you can beat the Rams three times in one season, especially with how good they're playing right now. Yeah. How how good how lights out that Matt Stafford Huber Cup connection has been. Yeah, and I don't. Like, I don't think they can take him down. Yeah, I'm gonna pick the Rams too to win, but like Odell Beckham Jr. has turned back the clock in these playoffs. Like I, I mentioned the meme from a few weeks ago, saying like Baker Mayfield was so bad that we thought OBJ was washed, but now he's probably gonna be there in LA for a few years, and then they already have Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford and Cam Akers on the offense. He's going back to pre. Giants boat trip, Odell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that fame, that infamous picture. This, yeah, this is off topic, but did you see the thing that it was like? Because he he took his salary in Bitcoin, right? Yeah. That because it's dipping right now, and obviously it'll go back up and it'll make the money back. Mm-hmm. But with the taxes that are getting taken out and like the dip that it's gone on, 
he if he were to take out his salary right now, he would have made thirty five thousand dollars for the season because he signed like a seven hundred thousand dollar contract and he was losing half of it in taxes already. <laughs> and then with the dip because it started yeah when he signed the yeah, contract crypto it was, is down it was right like now. probably fifty seven fifty eight thousand and now it's down to like thirty three. My gosh! <laughs> Imagine, see that's one of the that's one of the cr- scary things about crypto. Like especially if you take it like Odell did in crypt in Bitcoin. Well, that that's the thing. It's good. Uh, we're not <laughs> we're not crypto experts. Oh we're yeah, not by no means. Yeah, advice, by no it's gonna, means. It's gonna go up. So yeah. in that in that case, he's he's just gonna hold until it rises. Yeah, again, he'll but. be fine. But like when when you need an income, I mean, granted, he it doesn't is, need an income. I was gonna say, granted, it is Odell Beckham Jr. But you if, know, with, when he needs an income, I don't think if don't any think, normal person is gonna be taking their salary in Bitcoin. Yeah, there's def there was definitely th- methodical thought behind. That decision before he put it over to Hopefully. cryptocurrency. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. So we're both taking yeah, we're Rams. both taking the Rams. It looks like based on us, it's going to be a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl in LA. In LA, that's going to be now. The, Is this the second straight year? Yeah, it'll be the second yeah, straight year the, if it if it does happen because last year was the Bucks and then this and that year was the was, first time it's ever happened. Yeah, right? and yeah. now it's two years in a row. Now. Now that's the interesting thing. Since they're are the Rams the lower seed, right? Yep. They're the three seed, and the Chiefs are the two seed. So the Chiefs would technically be the home team. Is there even a home team in Super Bowls? Would it even decide? It's, it's the higher seed usually. Yeah, but would it even decide anything because it's played at a neutral site? Well, it's just based well, off the jersey that they would wear. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I guess that's all. It would, but yeah. I guess it's also not a neutral site because it's in LA. Yeah, it would be in LA. But yeah. it's there's no way that they could change that. So, yeah. If the Rams went into the visitors' locker room for the Super Bowl, that would be funny. That, that would be funny. I, they, they honestly, they, they should make them do it. They're the lower seed, but it's also their stadium. <laughs> it's also their stadium. I mean, there, well, there's two home locker rooms in that stadium anyway, so I'm assuming. Yeah, because it's the Rams the and the probably get the Chargers locker room. If yeah, I the Rams to, and the Chargers. If I would have yeah. to guess. Yeah, I'm sure it'd probably be something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, they're not going to shove them in a closet somewhere. Yeah. Have you ever done? Have has that ever happened to you in like high school? Doing like a hockey game where you're like, I get, I got, a, like, I got a like, couple stories. Yeah, like where you're away and like they throw you in like a little so, hallway or closet because that's happened to me many times. So at U Maine, right? Like that's where we play games at at the Alphon in Orono where U Maine plays. Yeah, and the 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 locker room we normally get is like it's upstairs. There's like folding chairs. It's like it's the decent visitors locker room. It's pretty wide. It's like a, it's a nice locker room. Got a training table, whatever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, if there's other teams in there or whatever, they'll send us down to, like, the college visitor's locker room, mm-hmm. which is in the basement, which is an even nicer locker room. It's just smaller. <laughs> it's just, like, really, it's smaller. Yeah. And then and then if they're feeling like, if they're feeling like, hey, we're going to give them a terrible locker room for today, which has happened on a couple of occasions, down the hallway from that, there are what I would describe as bomb shelters. My goodness. Oh, gosh. <laughs> if you've ever played at Maine, you probably know what I'm talking about, where it's like, you walk into the locker room, it's about, it's like a, it's maybe five or six feet wide, and like, it's decently long, but mm-hmm. the whole roof is like, takes up half caving, the space. It's like caving in like this, and half of it's falling. Oh, <laughs> God. My we, gosh. I think one of my teammates went into a hole in the wall one time, because it was that wide, and there was like a toolbox like 10 feet back just in the wall. <laughs> That's actually really funny. My gosh. Do you ever, you ever get stuck in a closet? Okay, so I've never been, like, for a game, you mean? Yeah. I've never been stuck in as bad of a situation as you're describing right now, but I've been put in a hallway where it's, like, there's just a bunch of, like, janitor stuff, 
that would be there. <laughs> like the carts that you put stuff on, like what this guy's using right now. Like those things? Yeah. You guys can't see it, but there was a maintenance guy who was just pushing around something. But like there would be a bunch of those and we really have enough room. And like at halftime we'd come in and just like move everything. <laughs> it would be not fun. I have another one that I just thought of actually. I was playing in a tournament when I was in like freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. I don't remember I don't know if I was in the US or Canada for this. It was either <laughs> in Massachusetts or somewhere in New Brunswick. But the rink was like half under construction still. While so you were the, playing in it? Yeah, like they didn't like some of the outside walls weren't fully built and stuff like that. So the locker room we had, it was two walls were built and there's benches around the outside and then on the on like the two outside walls was just sheets of plastic. So you could feel the breeze coming. Kind of like the how the rec room. center is right now, like there it's under construction. Yeah, it's just yeah. like it was just, <laughs> just so like a bunch can, of. We're yeah. getting ready, and you can just feel the wind coming into the locker room, like under the plastic. <sighs> <sighs> that must have been brutal. <laughs> that must have been not fun. It wasn't. It was in like March or April. So okay, it so it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't too, too bad. bad. It was okay. just like an interesting situation because you can see basically into the parking lot. That must have been fun for when <laughs> you guys were changing. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get to the meat? Of our episode, like the yeah, I think I think we should talk a little bit about the men's hockey team. Yeah, we'll talk about the men's hockey team. Then we'll go to Aaron Rodgers since they got just got exited. Then we'll talk about the NBA a little bit. Yeah, it depend time depending because we do it have another show coming out. Yeah, we got a show coming in. Did you ever did you ever make that game with the hockey like slang terms or no? Uh no, we can do that. Next yeah, we'll week. do that next week. That that's I think that'll be a fun segment. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about the men's ice hockey. Quinnipiac men's ice hockey team was the number one seed uh, this past week. For the first time since 2016, 2016, and they went up against number eight Cornell, and they actually lost two to one in overtime. It's they didn't they dominated the game, right? Oh no, yeah, they dominated yeah. offensive zone pressure. They had great chances throughout the game. It's just unlucky. Ian Shane, I I believe, is Cornell. Yeah, goalie. it's a goalie. He played man. out of his mind, and they also had terrible puck luck. Yeah, which just happens sometimes. Yeah, they they hadn't lost a game in seventeen. Straight games, games yeah. so it's bound to happen sometime. You're going to lose games. Cornell was pissed off because they lost to Princeton the night before. Yeah, and Princeton lost nine straight games before that, so they were coming out firing. Oh yeah, it just. I mean, if you want to take away anything bad from the game, it's the fact that their power play isn't. It's absolutely clicking. bad. Yeah. No, this is. This, it's been something that this team is can, could pride themselves on in year prior years prior. Yeah, They've been this year hasn't been in terms of NCAA ranks. But this year, they just can't seem to figure it out. They went yeah. 0 for 4, and that's what really killed them because Cornell scored two power play goals, which is another thing. That Quinnipiac was the best penalty-killing yeah, team in the Benique, nation yeah. coming into the game, having let up four goals the entire season. And they gave and they up, up two they in, gave the up game. Two in the game. in the game. Granted, the guy that scored both those goals has a wicked shot. So <laughs> you got you to give it to him mm-hmm. on that, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm actually going to be in the press conference with Rand tomorrow morning. So I'll get to see what he says on that. But yeah. I, I hope they have something figured out coming into this weekend. They're playing Princeton the, again, who they just beat 12 days yeah, ago. Yeah, they're playing Princeton nine to tomorrow, nothing. actually. And then yeah. they're going down to Bridgeport for the Connecticut Ice Festival, which I will be in attendance for. You did? You are up going? Yeah, I got, I got a press pass, so I'll be there both days. You can follow me on Twitter at Cameron Levasser. All right. If you would all like right. to see my live tweets <laughs> for the weekend. Pumping out content all weekend yeah, long. all weekend. But yeah, they moved to number two in the newest. I don't agree with that either. Yeah, I don't because they because the Minnesota State is that that's yes yeah that's who they played. 
the team they played was like you were saying like absolutely they're one of awful. if not the worst team in the country yeah because they they're this is their first they played St. Thomas mm-hmm. and this is their first year D1 one and they stuck one of those games they played was actually outdoor it was hockey day in Minnesota so they played them outdoor or hockey day in Mankato but it's hockey day in Minnesota yeah they played them on Minnesota State's football field really I didn't cool. know that yeah. yeah yeah it was pretty cool all right, so that's kind of our update for the local listeners up here in Hamden, Connecticut. But we're going to move to a more national story. Packers, you know, got eliminated this past uh, weekend to the 49ers in the divisional round at Lambeau Field. And Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, but who knows? Not for long. You know, everyone's been saying, who knows if he's going to be playing next season or not. So, Cameron, I guess I'll pop the question. Do you think he'll stay this offseason, or do you think he'll be in a different uniform for the first time in 18 years? You know, I think it's time for him to make a change. We saw we saw in training camp when Devontae Adams and him both posted the Michael Jordan, yeah. Scotty Pippen thing on Instagram. It, kind of, it almost looked it like the last like dance. It was their last dance. Yeah. And it wasn't, because they lost in the second round of the playoffs. But yeah. I think I think this is... I think Rodgers is out this year. Mm-hmm. The Packers have no salary cap. It's it's a choice of who they're going to retain, and they're not going to be able to bring. Even if they do bring Rodgers back, that means their roster will be significantly weaker in other areas. Yeah, and I saw a quote from him when I was like looking into this earlier today that said, "He said I don't want to be a part of a rebuild if I'm going to keep playing." Yeah, I saw that too. If he wants to keep playing, he's definitely going to have to go somewhere else because you know, like you said, the salary cap situation yeah. is not the greatest. He's They've lost the last four NSV championships games he's played in. Yeah. So big he's, moments, I think he, isn't, he's not, he, isn't he 500 in his postseason career, like 11 and 11? Something, something like that. I yeah. mean, like, I feel like every year it's like, this is the Packers' year. That's that's what they're saying all year. This yeah. is the year the Packers finally do it. Mm-hmm. And they got that one Super Bowl, but this is this is when they're going back to the top. Yeah. And it never is. Yeah. The um, He kind of said this in the Pat McAfee show a few weeks ago that, you know, when everyone was asking him if he was going to play the final week of the regular season, and he said, no, why would I not play? Like, he's seen teams where they rest the players and they have the first-round bye, and they never show up and show out. And he played for a little bit, like half the game, I think it was. But then he... He lost me my fantasy championship. You lost? Yes, I lost. You never told me this. I didn't want to talk about it. Anywho, we'll just not talk about that right now. Um, but, you know, we, he said that the teams slipping are the ones that usually rest their players and have the first round by. I think if you have all this momentum and you kind of, like, take a break, it kind of, like, plateaus off, and it's hard to get that upward momentum going again, especially with a team like that where they're a good team, but they don't have all three phases of the game figured out. So, yeah. I mean, for me... Honestly, depending on what his attitude is going into this offseason, I don't think he will leave. I'm leaning I'm starting to leave lean towards that he will leave, but I'm going to say for right now that he won't. You know, he's a free agent this offseason. If he really if he really wants to win in Green Bay, they might franchise tag him. They, I, I, I don't, don't think, think they can. I don't think they can I either. I know they can Devonta. I know they can franchise tag Devonta Adams. I'm yeah. not sure. I don't think they can. I don't know exactly the criteria, but I don't believe they can. Yeah. Like, if if he does end up staying, like you said, that offense is going to look, like the entire team really is going to look a lot different than they did this year because 
you know, the defense finally stepped up big time from where two years ago we were talking about how it was, you know, the big brother was just carrying the little brother around talking about the Packers offense and defense, but the defense played a lot better this year and who knows what's going to happen next year. Where, if he does leave, where do you think he's going to go? So where do I think he's going to yeah. go? I don't know. Cause I wrote down right here, the Denver Broncos might be the number one place. I have that too. I wrote that down. Yeah, because I actually saw a picture of Peyton Manning at the Patri- at the Packers game on Saturday night, and everyone was saying like, "Oh, is Peyton Manning trying to tamper with Aaron Rodgers because he's trying to he's trying to buy the team because the team is uh, out for bid this off season?" So it would be something that you know he might end up going because. People were talking about how they were gonna go. He was going to go to the Broncos last off season, but then ended up staying with the Broncos as well. So I think the number one spot would be the Broncos. But I also put, you know, the the Cleveland Browns because you know who's going on. Who knows what's going on with Baker Mayfield in that offense and the defense? They have great pieces around him, but Baker Mayfield hasn't been able to produce. I, I mean, I think you can look at a lot of teams at this. Like, looking through who has... He's going to demand a lot of money at it. Oh, this, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, leaving, most definitely, yeah. If he's leaving, he's making a bag. Yeah. So looking through who has salary cap, Denver sticks out. Indy sticks out. Pittsburgh Carson, does stick Carson out Carson well. Wentz. Yeah, that's what I was going to get yeah, to. That yeah, yeah, Carson Wentz. Is he the answer there? I don't, I don't know. I don't... Washington hmm. sticks out. Again, like we mentioned a couple weeks ago, Scott Turner... Big deep ball guy. Oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers loves to throw loves the deep ball. To throw it, yeah, maybe. maybe I mean, he's he made half. Capital. He's made half his money off of the uh, hail marys that he's thrown yeah, in his career. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and again, Pittsburgh, they have thirty-four million in salary cap. Yeah, and we signed T.J. Watt offseason in the yeah. last offseason. So he'll be good for five years. Yeah, they could they could sign him. They could get another piece on offense. Maybe they could put together a little run. Go back to the top of the AFC North. Yeah, who knows? I mean, the Steelers. Our front office has come out and said that they'd rather draft someone than go after a veteran QB. I mean, that makes sense. It that makes, makes sense, sense, but like, because they already you can get Aaron Rodgers. I know if if the opportunity comes, I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to the Steelers organization. Would you buy an Aaron Rodgers Pittsburgh Steelers jersey? I don't know. I don't know. I think it depends on how long a contract would be. Because like, if he signed for like three or four years, maybe. But, like, if it's only for, like, a year or two, probably not. Yeah. Because, like, I, I got a T.J. Watt one for Christmas this year. Because, you know, he, he wants to be a Steeler for life. Yeah. So, I don't know. I probably wouldn't, to be honest with you. You know who's in some serious cap trouble? Who I was actually, I was looking at as being, like, A potential spot? Guy. Yeah. I think guy. I know exactly the team you're talking about. The Saints? The Saints, yeah. They're, like, negative 71 yeah, million. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't I don't understand how they ended up that far over the salary cap. And how could have someone not seen that coming? Like, one of their CFOs? <laughs> like, I don't know. The, the guys that are there to manage the fine. How do you go negative 70 million over the salary cap? And not be like, and huh. then And then go, what did they go? Eight and nine? It wasn't a good season. I think it was eight and nine. It wasn't a good season, yeah. Who are they paying all this money to? I know Taysom Hill got a bag, which is kind of ridiculous. but Considering he, like, didn't play. At one point, Ian Book from Notre Dame was the starting quarterback for like a week or two. I don't know. Who are they playing? Probably Alvin Kamara and Michael Cat Thomas. Pitts. Cat Pitts. They got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 guys with a $10 million plus dollar cap hit. Who are those guys? Like, literally Marshawn who? Marshawn Lattimore. 
Fair. Michael Thomas. Sort of fair. He's fallen off a little bit. Ryan Ramzik. Who is that guy? Who is he? I don't even know. A fullback? Oh, right, no, right tackle. He's a right, right tackle. Okay, I was going to say, a fullback getting 10 million plus? I thought he was a... There must be a full... No, it's Juszczyk. I was thinking of Juszczyk. Oh, it's a, Kyle Juszczyk, yeah. the same three letters. Yeah. <laughs> Cam Jordan. Okay, fair. Andrews Pete. He's one of the best guards in the league, so that's fair. Is Alan Kamaro in that list? Yeah, he's the okay. next one down. David... On Yamada, who is that? An, a D tackle. Okay. I don't know if he should be making. I don't. I don't know much about him, so I don't know if he should be making that much money. Okay. Uh, Tron Armstead, <laughs> Taysom Hill, who's making who, twelve. He's 12, making a lot 12, of money. Oh, twelve point three million a year. Malcolm Jenkins. He's a vet. Why is he getting way paid that much? His pride. Oh my god. Mario Davis, and Bradley Roby, and then they have an and then uh, Marcus Davenport is at nine point eight. They were trying to win now, and then, well, we all know how that happened, ended up, and uh, they didn't even make the playoffs this year. They were trying to win now with a roster that isn't built to win now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what is, oh, my gosh. And then uh, Sean Payne said he was le- he, he was thinking about leaving this offseason. If my team was $70 million in debt. I would want to leave. cap space jail. I think I would. I think yeah, I would you, wouldn't be able, you wouldn't be able to sign anyone and keep anyone that, from your former team. From the previous season. Maybe he can uh, bribe the league like he bribed his players to injure. <laughs> you wouldn't even be able to sign your like your draft picks either. No. I don't understand exactly how everything salary rise works, but I just don't quite understand how he, you can get that bad. Yeah, negative 71 million is uh, kind of a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I think on that note, that's probably where we're going to wrap yeah, up the show I think today. That's a, yeah, I think um, that's about it. Uh, yeah, thank thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been Over the Ledge. I'm Cameron Lavasser. He's Connor Core. I am Connor Core, yes. Um, well, this this will be posted on Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you want to listen to the full interview with Jonathan Banks, it'll be there. We thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Over the Ledge WQAQ. On Twitter at OverTheLedge981. And we'll see you all next week. Same yeah. time, same place. Same place. I'm so happy to be back. We'll see you all next week. We back, we back, we back in the speakers. Back in black, getting blasted in the bleachers. It's probably true what my mama said. I do it just like my daddy did. We back, we back, we back in the saddle. Back on stage, making the whole place rattle. Train on the track Thought we were gone But you're wrong Now it's on We